Number love, it's the vibe show. I'm your host, Kano the Don, the vibe king. And tonight we have a special guest joining us on the show today. I'm very, very excited about this guest. And actually, um, it's an honor um, to have you on the show, on the platform. I'm talking about TV host, mentor, journalist. We hear her all the time. She's everywhere, grinding, getting it in. The beautiful lovely jasmine sanders hi how are you i'm doing amazing amazing thank you so much for this opportunity man we're like so so excited thank you i'm so glad to i'm so glad that you guys are, are giving me an opportunity to chat with you i appreciate it absolutely absolutely how's your day been so far i know it's been busy uh, it's a little hectic as always but i'm kind of used to it you know what? I I, I uh, was I was kind of worried though yesterday. <laughs> Look, I got I got the phone call, and I was like, "This this not gonna be good, man." I got the phone call, but you know what? It actually was still a blessing, and and we still made it happen with everything. I know everything be kind of last minute sometimes when things happen or whatever. But I just thank God we was able to get this thing done today. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. I was looking forward to it. I hated that we had to move it from yesterday. I apologize for that. That's okay. That's okay. We just, we thankful. So look, let's let's get into it now. It's it's so much to get into and, and not nearly enough time to be able to cover somebody like you. I mean, you have put in work over the years and still putting in major work. And I'm a huge fan of your work and um, I follow you. And I study a lot of the things that um, that you do. So you're definitely one of the people that I look up to because I'm trying to follow those um, footsteps and those plateaus that, that you've knocked down and still doing as well. So I'm definitely a huge fan. Oh, thank you. That is so nice of you. I appreciate that. So let me ask you, hometown Nashville, right? Yes, yes, yes. Is that where is that where it all started from, or Nashville is home and you branched out? You know, I'm originally from Chattanooga, which is you know just a stone's throw away from Nashville. But Nashville is where it started for me. I went to school at Middle Tennessee State University, right? And after I graduated, um, I just made the decision that I wanted to work in radio, and you know I'm. You know, I, I have lofty goals, so I just chose the station that I wanted to work for. And um, in a very green way, I decided I would go to the radio station every day and I would sit in the lobby until someone hired me. Really? And so that's what I did every day for about a week and a half. I went to the radio station. I mean, you can't do this now because you know, <laughs> right. security reasons. But right. I went to the station every day. I. I made friends with the receptionist. I would bring her breakfast. I would talk to her. I just kind of, you know, just, you know, schmoozed a little bit. And one thing led to another. One of the uh, the um, afternoon drive jobs came out, and he was like, who are you? You come here every day, and we're buzzing in the back trying to figure out who you are and what you want. And I told him I wanted a job. And so wow. that's kind of how it all started for me. You know what's crazy? Um, I've had... Um countless guests on here and um 
a lot of a lot of journalists, a lot of radio personalities as well. And you know what I think is is amazing. Um, some of you guys have that same story, but again, like yeah. you said, back then you can get away with some stuff like that. Now yeah. it's not as yeah. as easy to get in. And and I wanted yeah. to ask you, why do you think that that's so? back then we did not have uh, social media and so um, I think the the safety the well the threat to safety level increased quite a bit because now you have you have a lot of people who spew hatred you have you know a lot of beef that can travel much faster than it used to mm -hmm. and so I think now it is, it's not, you know, they lock the doors when you come in. You have to be buzzed in and out. It used to not be that way. The radio station was really like your local, um, you know, town hall. Right. And it belonged to you as the locals. You know, you knew the personalities. They knew you. And you were free to come and go at the station and visit if you wanted to because it was really like a part of the community. But it's not like that anymore. Now it's, it's big business. It's, it's owned by huge corporations and Fancy offices, you know. The first station I started out was literally like a brick house. <laughs> really, and you know, literally, and it was one level, and you know, there was no lock on the door. Like you could come and go, you know, pretty much all times of the night. But you know, that was then. Obviously, this is now. But I will say, you know, advantage that people have today that I didn't have is, you know, technology. Right. You know, technology wasn't what it was when I was coming through the business. You know, we were still using wax pencils and reel-to-reel -to, -reel to edit in between, you know, songs and right. playing, you know, commercials on carts. And it's just so different now. Now, you know, back then, I had to read. I had to read like a true journalist. You had to research. Now, it's all at the fingertips of Google. You Google anything you want to know, and it does all of the work for you. Whereas, you know, we had to verify and double-check to make sure your facts were correct because, you know, it, it's just so different. It's so different now. So, You think that's yeah, a gift and a curse? You think that's like a gift and a curse, though? It is. I think it's a gift in that I think we can know more now than we ever could. So, to me... Anyone who says that they don't know something, right. really what they are saying is that I'm lazy. Right. There's no reason that you shouldn't know things because everything you need is always in your hand in the form of a phone. Right. So the answer is never as far away as simply signing on or you know going on to Google and looking something up. It's at your fingertips. Right. Whereas, you know, back then it wasn't that way. So I think now it's, it's, it's a blessing that we know as much as we do. We can spread more information, uh, whether we're teaching more about our history, uh, being able to Google that, and now we know the facts about every holiday, and we know the facts about who created what and, and how much we contributed as a, as, a, as a race, whereas before, all we knew was what they told us and what was written in the book, which came from, you know, one particular point of view. And so now, now we can challenge that. So I think that is the blessing. I think the curse is that uh, the technology has made us very lazy. Yes. I think mentally we are nowhere near where we used to be. I think there was a time when, you know, we were always creating things. Mm -hmm. We were always inventing things. We were always thirsty for knowledge. 
And because it is so easily accessible to us now, it's kind of made us as a nation fat and lazy. You know what? That is that is so true. And and you know it, it's also um, I think that it's it's also messing with our social skills as far as Absolutely. you remember how we used to to. You know what I'm saying? You used to really be able to talk to one another. It's like now everything is, I'll shoot you a text or email me or, or yeah. you never really get a chance to just, and especially for the kids, like it's, it's ridiculous for the kids now. It is. And I think the unfortunate thing about that uh, is really twofold. I think number one, you, you take away a child's ability to learn empathy. Yes. And you take away a child's ability to, uh, to be able to uh, have consideration and sympathy for, uh, for another human being because there's no um, interpersonal relationship. Right. The text is so cold. Like, it's just words that you're sending out that right. you're not responsible for. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, when we were um, prior to this, growing up, at least me, you know, I had to talk to my girlfriend. I had to talk to my brother. I had to talk to my mom and my dad. And, and we sat down as a family. There was no text message of, I'm going to be late. No, you called and your mama told you, promptly get your ass home. <laughs> exactly. Because we're having dinner at six. Right. And so I think we've lost that, that human connection to one another. I personally, it's not scientifically proven anywhere, but I personally believe one of the reasons why we have such a huge disconnect among, you know, young people in terms of relationships, not just, you know, boy and girl, but just in general, um, is, is for that very reason. I think now when a girl turns a guy down because he is so unused to having his feelings hurt because yeah. he has not had that interaction with human beings enough to know that this is what happens. You get hurt, you get over it the next day, you move on. Right. They are now unable to handle that so they hurt you they shoot you they 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 do horrible things to you because you hurt their feelings mm. and i think it's because we don't have enough of that interaction with one another e anymore that our children are growing up not knowing that you can't all be winners that's not how it works yeah. it's going to hurt that you lost and the more you lose the more you'll want to win yeah i, I you know what <laughs> wow that is so so true and and honestly i really don't think that um i don't think that we, we're going to be able to get back to that yeah i don't think so i think we are you know i've never known i mean i know they say there's nothing new under the sun or that's what they've always said but i think that there's always a new way to do something i just think that the direction that we're going in it, you know it's kind of taking us further and further away from family I know. and sitting here further away from community because yes. now again you know you, you you would go to your friend's house to check on them to make sure they're okay well right. now you just facetime right or now you just send them a text message or if you heard that you know there was someone in need you would go see about them you'd go take them food absolutely go, you know offer some type of financial assistance well now you use Zelle and you just send them, you know, a couple hundred dollars or whatever, or you just use Postmates and send them something to eat. There's, there's that, I think, that empathy and that lack of connection of holding and hugging someone when they need it, holding yeah. their hand when someone has hurt them. We're, we, we are losing complete contact with each other. So when someone asks for your phone number and you say no and it hurts them, they're like, what is this? I don't like it. And immediately they retaliate. 
Exactly. Exactly. No. We don't. We don't fight fair anymore because of, of technology. Again, it's a blessing, but it's also a curse. I think we have to be careful how we use it. With you know, with has journalism always been like your interest? Like, let's just go back to you, like as a child. Were 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 you interested like in information and stuff like that back then, which grew to where it is today? Or this was something that you may have picked up maybe um, in college or or was this something from the beginning? I think intrinsically it was always in my DNA, just always in my blood. Now, when I was a kid, my mama called it nosy. I called it inquisitive. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I needed to know all of the facts, just quite naturally. Um, I was a natural talker. Um, I was a natural personality, and so I think I'm one of those people that believes everything you're looking for is looking for you, and wow. I think everything that you were born to be is inside of you. You just have to listen and be in touch with yourself, and if you follow that that gut instinct, it will lead you where you need to be. And this is this this is uh, my explanation for that. When I was a kid, I would sit next to the radio. And I would listen to it all day. I right. loved it. It was something about it. I was I was hypnotized by it. And I would write down everything that the personality would say. I would write down all of the songs that were coming on. And, and I had no idea why. It was just something that I, I enjoyed doing. And I did it every day. Fast forward to when I go to college and I have no idea what to declare as my major. Right. I have no clue because no one had ever said to me, what do you love doing? All I knew was I need, I had to go to college. I needed to study something, and I have to declare a major. All of those were new terms for me. Right. So I went and I sat with my academic advisor. I talked him to death for about 30, 40 minutes without taking a breath, and he said, well, whatever you do, you should talk for a living. <laughs> thought, wow. I've been talking since I was a kid, and I would get in trouble when I was in class because they would say you talk too much. But it never dawned on me. I did not connect the dots that – as a child, the thing that gave me the most passion was listening to people talk. Right. And me also talking. So when I would go to that radio station years later, who knew that the universe had been grooming me the entire time? Because when I walked in there for that, you know, to be hired for that job, and, and they weren't looking, I just kept going to them every day. And, and the person said, do you have an air check? And I said, I don't even know what that is. Right. And he took me back into the production room. And he said, I'm going to press record, and I want you to just start talking. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to talk about? I had no idea because I had been schooled, right, book set. But I had not ever been into a real studio. Right. And I remembered all of the, the personalities and the DJs that I listened to as a kid. Oh. And I began to mimic that. Yeah, and yeah. And I got a job. Wow. So yep. it had been in me all the time. I just, I wasn't listening to it. I was thinking, maybe I'll be an attorney. Maybe I'll be, you know, a singer. And I cannot sing. But I had all of these songs, but I wasn't listening to my own passion and my own voice. It was always there. Right. With with your your style of of journalism, I, I like it because it, it comes from a passionate space. You know, and... Um, because you know it, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of bad 
journalists, uh, journal journalists out there as well. And um, <laughs> how do you um, like? How do you, with being in the entertainment business, how do you kind of go around the negative? You know, having to, because you know, some people that you work for, like that, they 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 feel like that's what what sells. And you know all of that, all of that negative stuff does sell, and ratings and the whole nine. But yeah. I noticed that you know you you go a different way. Things that you are involved with are 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 serious things, things that's passionate, things that you're passionate about, and things that's uplifting, positive, and motivation. But with being in the entertainment business, how do you stay grounded from the other negative energy? Well, my thing is. I always ask myself, how does this move us forward? Mm. What is the payoff for telling this particular story? And if the payoff is so I can giggle at somebody's misfortune or so that I can be in someone's bedroom like a fly on the wall, (laughs) I don't understand how that moves us forward. And so my thing is, if if you've been gifted the opportunity to have a microphone. You have been gifted with a tremendous amount of power. Mm. And so you should treat that with the most amazing grace that you can think of because not everyone has that ability to, I guess, you know, kind of wield that much power. And so to much given, much required, right? right? right. So if I'm given this platform where millions listen, what am I doing with that opportunity. Am I talking about, well, you know, this person got into a fight with that person because right. this person was sleeping with that person? And, and so now I've spent 15 minutes of valuable time talking about somebody's sex life. Mm. What does that do for the person listening? To them, like, for real, what does it do for their life? Nothing. It, uh, you're right. It does absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. So for me, it's it's all about is there a story out there that I think could help somebody, whether it's from the medical perspective, whether it's from a political perspective, because a lot of the stories that affect our community are always buried on the sixth page. Yes. You'll never get to that page. Right. So I dig and dig and I find out stories about, you know, bad water in Jersey. Yeah. Um, you know, black women's bodies being different from white women's bodies. So go in and ask your doctor this particular question. That means a lot to me because I need to put that word out there so that my sisters can live. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So for me, it's all about how does it move forward. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to tell a story about a 14-year-old putting a needle in his penis. Because <laughs> I think that's hilarious. Yeah. But I think I tell those types of stories because you need to mind your 14-year-old and see what he's doing. Right, right. Because this could happen. Exactly. It's funny, but there's a reason why I tell that story. Because if you really think about it, as an adult, you'd sit, if you don't have any kids, you'd be like, oh, I'm not about to stick a, stick a needle in my penis. Yeah. Well, somebody would. And if you have a son, you need to mind him and say, listen, don't do this. This could happen. So it's, it's, it's kind of the way we do things on the show. We like to give information, but we also like to, to make you laugh as well because that's important because there's so much bad news. There has to be some, you know, levity to it. There has to be yeah. a little lightness to it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I, you know, I noticed, like I say, I, I follow you, and um, I've always been a big fan of uh, your work and you as an individual. Um, I, I, the thing I like about you, I like, I like, I like your your, your spirit and your your personality. Um, has it always been that, like, because you you seem like you have a good spirit about you and um a drawing spirit as well um is it any moment or time um on your on your journey in this business that um it's been some bad experiences that made you like you know what nah i'm not i can't that I've always um, been optimistic. Mm -hmm. What I will say is I've always been hopeful. Right. And because I have believed myself to be a special being for as long as I could remember, I just always believed that giving up was never an option for me. Mm. I always felt like it may be an option for other people, but I have always known that I had been given a very strong back and shoulders, and I knew that I could carry a lot. And uh, so when I would run up against bad situations and scenarios and bad contracts and bad people, because right. let's face it, I'm a black female in a white male-dominated industry, or just a male-dominated industry, period. Anybody who's in entertainment, that's what it is. It's dominated by men, and it's dominated more specifically by white men. And if you are a female, it will be a hard, arduous, and long journey. But there has to be something inside of you that wants to win greater than you want to lose. And for me, that's what it was. And I always kind of felt, okay, I could cry about this, but what what will it bring about? What will I get in exchange for my tears? Right. And what I found very early on, the only thing I came away with was puffy eyes and a messed up shirt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and that way going to cut it from me. I was like, nah, we got to come up with something different. Yeah. And so for me, it's always about finding the humor in things. And I always believed if I could just hold on to hope, and if I could laugh a little bit, I could make it through anything. And it has been those two things that have carried me through just about everything. Wow. That is, <laughs> that is amazing to hear, you know, and, and, and so motivating, too, to hear, too, because it, it does get rough. Do you think that um, with being in the business, do, do, would you say that it is kind of biased towards women? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's really tough for women because um, I think we are always seen as secondary. Yeah. We're always the co-host, never the host. We're always the sidekick and never the main event. And I think in many ways it's a lot like that in society, period. Yeah. If you look throughout history, black women were the ones in the background holding up the stage we were the ones holding up you know the family while the you know the man was out trying to, to make ends meet you right. know what i mean and right. so i think in many ways 
you know, at least in this business, I think it's still seen as that. However, I think with black women making the strides that we're making in terms of education and, and entrepreneurship and, and just finally letting our hair down and saying, you know what, we've been down and out and, and, and cast aside and, and hurt for so long, I think you're seeing a resurgence of, of black women and black love, love for yeah. ourselves. You know what I mean? So for me, it's not about um, how many working hours can I get out of the day. It's really about how many happy hours can I get. Now, for me, work makes me happy, so Mm -hmm. I work a lot. But that's because I love what I do. And I would much rather come to the end of my life knowing that I've used my voice to laugh as hard and as loud as I could than anything else. Right. Because I think one of the things that we don't do enough as black men and black women is laugh. We don't mm-hmm. laugh enough. And no, I think why. When you look at, you know, the systematic racism and oppression and just how we're treated in society, there's not a lot to laugh about. Right. But I just don't want to walk this earth um, and feel as though I made all of the wrong decisions because I, I made bad choices. And at the end of my life, I had everything but no joy. And so oh, for yeah. me, the, the spirit that you see is just that. It's, it's joy that I'm, I'm still here. Right. In spite of everything that I've been through, I'm still here. So you have to be grateful and happy. If for nothing else, at least that. Right. And so my thing is, I laugh. You know, DL makes fun of me because I have a deep, hearty, throaty laugh. And it's <laughs> probably one of the greatest gifts my, my mama ever gave me. Right. I'm so proud of that because when you hear that, you're hearing real joy. It's not fake. Mm-hmm. It's not me trying to be cute. That's it. And I think that anybody who can hear you laugh, they've been blessed. Right, right. I like that. I really like that. With 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 being um, with being on this earth for the time that you've been on this earth, do, would you say that with with everything up until this point, do you think that it's a strategic plan from your expert? Um, journalism point of view do you think that it's a strategic plan um by design to keep us you mean in terms of, oh okay. nah, like like strategically plan to to mentally kind of condition us to hate one another absolutely because where there's where there's their numbers their strength Right. Right? Because we all know that, you know, divided, we fall, united, we stand. Right. And if you think about it, I think black people, period, relationships between men and women, I think all of that is by design to keep us separated. Because I think together there is nothing we can't do. Right. And if you go back and you look all throughout history, everyone on the planet has known that. And so that is why, from the very, very beginning, the first thing they did was separate us. Right. Because they know together we cannot be defeated. 
And so even when you look at the manner in which the government kind of wields its power in terms of keeping the black man out of the home, because you know as well as I do, when you find a home where you have a good father and a good mother taking care of kids, Uh those kids end up doing amazing things. Yeah. Especially kids of color. We do amazing things. So what can what what is the opposite of that? Sure. You take the father away. Yeah. Now you have a mother trying to raise these kids by herself. She's angry. With no male figure in the house. Right. And listen, I know I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this, but I will take it and I will stand without shaking. I do not believe that women alone can raise men, raise boys to be men. Amen. I think you have to have a male figure to teach that boy how to be a man. Right. You have to. I mean, that's just, you can look at it in every possible example. Now, that's not to say you won't have an exception to the rule where a guy will grow up and turn out to be a great man. Right. You may be getting examples from men on TV, you know. Grandfather, grandparents. Grandfather, right. Right. But I think just like it takes a, 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 a mother to raise a daughter to teach her about her body, right. to teach her about the changes that are going to come, to teach her about her heart, a man can't do that. Right. I mean, you can't be a good father to your daughter, but what are you going to tell her when, you know, she's having problems with her ovaries? I know. You don't know nothing about that. Right. You have no idea what she's going through every month. You have no clue why she's crying. You have no clue why she thinks she's ugly. You have no clue. Only a mother can teach her those things. And so if you believe that, you have to believe the opposite of that is true. I could not teach my son about his male member. I don't know anything about that. I can tell you what I think. I can tell you what, what I think might be true. But I'm not a man. I have no idea what happens to your body when a woman walks by. I can give you my interpretation of that. Hmm. Right? Right. It's just the truth to me. So, but I think when you have that absent, right, I think automatically there is an imbalance that happens. There has to be because it's it's a scale. Mm -hmm. The father holds down one side, the mother holds down the other. Right. It's a balanced scale, right? And the children are in between. Too much of one thing is going to tip to one side and something's going to fall. That's that's just science. So I think they knew if we remove the father, you will have a mother all by herself trying to do it all. It's not impossible, right. but it's damn sure hard and something is going to suffer. I'm yeah. sure you've heard the old adage that you can be a jack of all trades and a master of none. So it's the same thing as a single mother. You're trying to be a mother, a worker. You're still trying to take care of yourself. You're still trying to maintain the house. You're trying to do all of these things. It doesn't mean that you're going to be bad at it, but something inevitably will suffer. Now you don't know that your kids are out, you know, on the streets hanging out with different people. You don't know what's going on. And you're thinking, well, they're fine. No, they're not. You know what? It's a chain effect. Like you write about, it's a chain effect because then with you trying to do all of that, the mother gets stressed out. The single single mother gets stressed out. She want to go to school but can't go to school because she got to pick up another. You know, it's just like a a series of things that start to happen that just exactly. 
Wow. And you know what? Now that the single mother can't go to school and be all that she wanted to be, you know what? She has resentment. Yeah. And because there's no one else there, she resents her children. So now, rather than having the patience and the love and the kindness when she speaks to them, she yells at them when they do do things that that kids do. Yes. She's angry. She's going to snap at any minute. So instead of giving soothing words, she curses and she yells. and And so now you have this contentious relationship. But she's just doing the best she can't. Yes. 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 And now she's mad at men because he walked out. And now, you know, it's just, it, it's just a horrible domino effect. And you, you really only see it in the black community. And my question is why? Right. And, and you, can, you can disagree with me all you want to. I'll tell you this. Look at the stats. I mean, it's, I can't I can't disagree with you because I, I I totally agree because I do look at I'm one that look at the stats I look at that I I myself even use myself as an example because I grew up in a single parent home and watched me being the oldest watch my mom three kids trying to raise three yes. kids um, school teacher um, you know we boys two boys and one girl. Um, you know, we can get away with so much. Mama going to discipline us to a certain degree, but she still got that soft spot that we identify with. So we can get away with certain little things or whatever. But we exactly. watched her. And you know who wouldn't let you get away with that? Your father. Right. Exactly. Because he knew he needed to groom you to be a man. Right. He knew the streets would test you in ways that that you needed to, to have that experience in. Exactly. Exactly. And with me not having um, a father there, you know, I made I made a lot of bad decisions that I probably wouldn't have made if I had um, my dad there. You know what I'm saying? So I had to go through those experiences with a part of me too, sort of feeling me being the oldest, feeling the effects of, you know, I'm I, I need to try to look out for mama. I need to try to, you know. I'm, I got that responsibility, yeah. you know, like that responsibility. My brother, and my sister falls on me, you know. It, 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 it's it's just a series of things that makes so much sense. What you just, I love how it you does. broke that and down. And if you think about this, the next time you're just out riding around, mm-hmm. and I think this is a great test for most people to do. When you're out riding around, look at the faces of young black boys, mm. and ask yourself, why don't they smile? Wow. Why are they always grimacing? Why are they always angry? That's what, true. What is going on in the mind of a child that you walk? Kids should be full of laughter. Smiling and, and you right. Just worry free because when you become an adult and those bills start rolling in and those problems start That's when you fry. <laughs> on the family, you know what I mean? So all yeah. of that, you're supposed to enjoy your childhood. I know. You know that it that is so true too, and 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 that's why I always look at, you know, my time. Me and my brother, we talk about this all the time. We always talk about us being blessed with an opportunity to really be able to have a childhood and be children and go outside and play and ride bikes and build go cars and clubhouses and go play with our friends and you know. But now, you know, you gotta pretty much 
kick the kids outside the door like, hey, you got a bike, go outside and ride your bike. Get off Fortnite. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Put the iPad right. down. Put the phone down. Like, go outside. Oh, it's, it's too hot. out. We didn't even care if it was hot out there. We just wanted right. to go outside. And it's just right. crazy right now. The thing that that taught us, too, the thing that that taught us was creativity. Yes. I could go outside and there could not be a single toy. There could be nothing. And I could find something. I could create something. I would create stories about what was going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, my mind would yeah. be running with ideas. Yeah. We would come up with all kinds of games to play with absolutely nothing. Nothing. What do you think Freeze Tag was? I know, right? Freeze Tag was a game. <laughs> and you had no tools. Yeah. Red light, like green light. Like yeah. Green. Where do you think those games yeah. come from? Our minds, our Man. imagination. Man. But they don't do that now because now you have toys and gimmicks. Yeah, you don't have to think no more. Just hold on. Let me, let me look it up right fast. Let me look it up right fast. You ain't got to think about it. Let me look it up right fast. Hold right. on. Let me, let me Google it right exactly. quick. Wow. And and, and that's, right, that's a strategic plan to to it keep is. to keep us distracted from whatever right. the, the, the ultimate goal of whatever it is or whatever the agenda is or whatever but i think that these distractions and devices and different things are put in place for for a reason i think that they have some good but at the end of the day it, it's a form of distraction yep and you know what else is a distraction what uh, another huge distraction is material thing. Oh my God, that's a whole nother We thing. don't understand how to prioritize that. That's right. why we don't have wealth. We have material things. And some people might be able to say that they're rich, but we don't have wealth. Right. But it's because we, we don't prioritize. We'll spend all of our money, all of it, to buy things that have absolutely no value, no value. at all. They have the value that somebody else has placed on it. Right. So five years from now, you've spent I don't know, $10,000 on shoes, or maybe you went out and bought a, a $4,000 bag. Right. Now, if you make a ton of money, if you're a millionaire and you can afford that, have at it. Right. But my question is, what is the value of that next year when it's out of season? Right. No one's wearing those Jordans anymore. No one's wearing that kind of jacket or that watch you bought or that. Nobody's, okay, so now what? You're going to go buy some more stuff? So at the right. end of the day, you are teaching your children, buy, 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 buy. Right. no one's saving. Why? So now why did, you don't have generational wealth. You're not passing down anything. You can't pass down those old Louis cans because nobody's wearing those anymore. I know they were $1,200. Right. But now they're out of style. So you have a pair of $1,200 shoes sitting in your closet that after a year or so, you're never going to wear again. Exactly. You're collecting shoes that someone will laugh at in the next 10 years because they'll say, oh, my God, those are hideous. Who, Ex what are exactly. Those? Exactly. You know what I mean? Like we, we just have it all twisted. But to me, that's a distraction. Mm. It's to keep us from understanding the power of wealth and the power of the dollar. We have no idea of that. That's why we throw it away. As soon as we get money, we want to buy up a bunch of stuff to show everybody all we got. Why do we feel like that that, that what simple that what defines us or that that's what's gonna make people look at us like, oh, they got it going on because, you know, she might got the new bag or or he got he got this or he got that or whatever. When in fact, people that's wealthy, you don't even really see them with none of that stuff. You don't. But I think it's us trying to show our value. We want to prove that we're valuable. We want to prove that we deserve a seat at the table. We want to prove that we belong. When in fact, 
we don't have to prove anything. Right. All we have to do is just be. Be the creatures that God created us to be. Be the magnificent human beings that we are naturally. Right. But we are we are blinded. We are distracted by so many things. I am so just sick at my stomach that we have given so much time to chicken. Oh my God. What we are what is going on with that? Like serious and I was going to ask you about that be careful of that it's something it's something up like out of the blue maybe for uh, food vouchers right maybe for a place to live you know what I mean you have to be very careful and, and not be distracted but be engaged to the things that matter and that is our community because it's dying it's dying it's dying it is. And I'm not one of those people that's all about separating and let's create our own. I'm not about that. Right. I'm about the human race. Because I think we all can help each other. But I think if we don't help one another within our race, we certainly cannot connect with another race to try to help us as a whole. We can't do that. Right. Because it's like, you know what, and, and it's funny that you say that too, because I think that this whole Popeye's thing is a, a strategic um, distraction as well as yeah. as well as the NFL Jay Z thing, this, this stuff is popping up out the blue, and it's like now it's like you just picture the world, just everybody shifting. Just look over here, we got the attention. Hey, look over here now. Everybody's paying attention to all of this stuff and talking about this, and every media outlet and everybody's talking about it and talking about talking about while something else going on over here. Yeah. You know, there's something else that we should be thinking about. There's an upcoming presidential election. Exactly. There are elections that locally you should be concerned about. They are making bills and, and, and you know, policies regarding education and the money that will or won't go into our neighborhood mm -hmm. for education, for, you know, municipalities. We're not focused on that because we're too busy standing in line to get standing in line to get the Popeyes, the new Popeyes chicken, comparing yeah. that to Chicken yeah. Filet, and, and talking about Jay Z uh, and all this foolishness yeah. that's going exactly. on. Exactly, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's crazy, but it's, it's our fault. If you let it happen, yeah, I mean, it, it's your fault. You can't be mad and and say they get everything. Well, that's because they stay the course. Right. We know they're privileged, but we they always that. stay the course. What do we do about it? They always stay the course, and they know that we are so easy to be manipulated. Well, Sickle, I remember when everybody was like, oh, we're, we're not going to watch football. Do you know that the NFL suffered a 64% decline in viewership that was square on the shoulders of black people? Right. Who were responsible for that? Look at that amount of power. Exactly. So do you know what they did to combat that? They they pulled out the, the chair and asked Jay Z to take a seat. Exactly. You can't see that. That's crazy to not be able to see that. And you know what? Who was so that? that Somebody you know said how scared they had to be of our power to reach that, that low. Too sure. 
that has never invited a black man in. Come the on. Has never done it. Come on. What level of fear is that? Man. That's not what we see. We see hoes. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And that's our dude. Let's give him time. And see he's not going to do anything. They're not gonna Nothing. He's not going to do anything. Like, you you, you, you know what? Dame Dash said something that was so interesting. When he did an interview and a guy asked him about the situation, and he was like, what about the situation? He was like, if they're not discussing in this press conference what the deal entails and what the deal is about, it's nothing to talk about. Because nobody even know what the deal is. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's man, it's buffoonery, man. It is. It really, it's really is. And I, I hate that for I hate that for us because I feel like we're we're so lost and we don't know it. That's the sad part is that we a lot of us don't know that we're lost. And our children are depending on us. Our right. grandchildren are depending on us. Right. There's so much at stake. You know what I, I I've said this before and I really mean it. I hate the fact that we have become so lazy. Man. That we could we could never do a civil rights movement. <laughs> exactly. We could never sit at a counter and just not eat. We would not march in Selma the way they did. No, indeed. We would not. We would not stick together and boycott the buses. Uh-uh. We couldn't do it. We'd get tired. Like, okay, put the phone. Wait, 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 hold on. Let me let me go back and get my phone right quick. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to be on Instagram. You can't even pull up in the drive-through right now, Jazz, without no. seeing somebody. You can't even get my order right because you own Instagram. Not oh, like you, that anymore. you know what not I'm saying? Like we, we traded it in. Man. So really, I mean, and, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to anybody because I know I'm, I'm also guilty. But we have become so lazy. I've yet to meet another Rosa Parks. Uh, yeah, I get to meet exactly. someone who was just that defiant outside of a Colin Kaepernick. The right. thing that I respect so much about him is he didn't lose his money. He gave it up. Right. He knew what he was getting into, and he knew he'd have to walk alone. Right. And he kept walking. Right. And you know what? And he went on head yeah. on. And and, and, and and after everything was said and done or whatever they worked out or whatever the uh, settlement was yeah. or whatever, he took that and you know what? He dipped out because don't try to, you know, don't, not, not everybody like, well, I feel like they should have called Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick to come to the, to the NFL thing. For what? Right. For what? He's smart to know if they don't want me there, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. Give me what you owe me. Exactly. That is my name. You owe me this. Exactly. So he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. You know, uh, uh, sell out. They owed him that. He took what they owed him. Exactly. And he and, and he didn't. Everybody like, oh, he he should have talked about. He should have said what they gave him for what. That's his business. He don't need to tell you um what what um what he was paid or or whatever. That's ridiculous. It's crazy. We, listen, I can go on. I already on, know. I, 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 and, and I, and I want to, I just, I want to ask you about, um, let's talk, can we talk about like how you, how the DL opportunity came um, before we, before yeah, we get of off of here? It's really a funny story. I want to so, hear it too. I want to hear it. I've always done radio. 
Like, it's pretty much the only thing that I've ever done. It's the only job I've ever had. I did work very briefly for a record label. Really? Um, but got right back into radio because I knew that was, that's where I was most talented. I knew this was just, I could do it until I died. I believe that I was, that I was created for it. Right. So I got a call from, well, actually I got an email on Facebook. And I was working for a pop station in New York. Uh-huh. And I got an email on Facebook, and it was someone that I'd never heard of. And they were like, so we're putting together this nationally syndicated show with Gail Hughley, and we're looking for a co-host, and your name keeps coming up, which would be interested. So I thought it was a joke. Because I'm like, who? Right. For a gig like that? Yeah, that's, that's on big. Facebook and somebody's inbox. So I just ignored it. About two days later, I got the same email again. It was like, you know, still trying to reach you. You know, please give a call when you can. Oh, you and never responded to the first email. That I know. And so I called that guy. His name is Ken. I called Ken. I said, Ken, I said, I keep getting this this, this email regarding a gig. and I don't know if it's true because it's on Facebook. And he was like, hang up and call them right now. They've been trying to reach you. I was like, oh, it's real? He was <laughs> like, yeah. So I called him. They talked to me about it, and I was like, well, yeah, I'd be interested. Now, the funny thing is, I didn't really like D.L. at the time. Really? Now, I wasn't really into comedy. I didn't really know a lot about him. We had had a, a weird run-in years ago where I was working at a radio station, and his comedy show came in, and I had to do the intro. And I came off the stage, and I said hi to him, because I'd never met him. I said hi to him, and he kind of blew me off. Are you serious? Because these opportunities 
don't come often. They don't just give out shows like they give out candy. Right. I said it's a fantastic potential. I mean, a potential for you to, to turn it into something great. I said, you go back. I said, who is your executive producer? He was like, I don't know. I said, you don't know your executive producer? I said, listen, go back and you need to. And I kind of gave him the rundown of what to ask for and what to find out about. Yeah. And he says from that point, he knew I was the one. So we always have this ongoing joke back and forth of, you didn't want me and I didn't want you. And so we kind of make fun of each other that way. But it ended up, you know, he said, I'll call you. And I was like, you don't have to say that. That's what guys do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not fragile like that. My ego is good. I got a gig in New York. In New York, I'm good. Don't worry about it. But the next week, I got a call and they said, Dio wants to meet you for breakfast. And I went and they offered me the job. Wow. And now we're going into our seventh year. Man, that is okay. So. That and that was that was the radio or that was not because the, the visual radio. show. Okay, okay, radio, okay. Uh, TV, the TV opportunity came. They came in. They saw us working together. They liked it. They were like, you know, we can turn this into a TV show. And yeah, that's kind of how that happened. Right, right. And 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 I think I think it's cool the way that y'all doing it too. It's not it's not overdone or anything like that. You know, I kind of like the way y'all have, y'all have a comfortable atmosphere. It's not all Hollywood up and all that stuff. Like It's like a place where people could come and actually chill. And you know what I'm saying? So I really like that. Did you guys have any uh, input on actually the setup of the actual show as far as like the way it's structured? Yeah, we did. We were involved 100% from the very outset. You know, we kind of talked about we wanted to have the feel that they were coming to our house and that they were sitting in the living room. Right. And we have a bar and we, we wanted to be very relaxed because I think what happens um, in radio specifically, I don't know in t- as much about TV, but from a radio perspective, when people come into the studio, the walls automatically go up. Right. Because they don't know what you're going to say. And, you know, they, they have a particular image they want to keep. So our thing was, we want them to feel at home. We want them to feel comfortable. So there's a sofa. You can sit. It's very, you know, comfortable and laid back. And we offer them a drink, whether it's wine, tequila, whatever. Right. And, you know, we don't do crazy stuff because for us it really is about, you know, getting to know a different side of people. Right. With the walk down. Yeah. That, and, and, and that's what I really, really like about the show when I first seen it, you know, because I, I, I listened to the um, the radio show already. But then when I seen the visual coming, I was like, yo, this is going to be dope. And, and the way it was set up, I was like, yeah, because y'all just be, y'all be really like in chill mode, you know. And, and then a lot yeah, of the, sure. the topics and stuff, it'd be so on point, you know, and so kind of different from, what you know, the actual radio. You know what I mean? It's kind of different. The show right. itself is different. I think that that's pretty cool. Well, thank you. Yeah, we, we enjoy it quite a bit. And and I, I want to touch on this too before we wrap yeah, up. Um, um, mentor your, your mentorship program with young women. Wait, I'm sorry. Your mentorship program oh, with young women. Yeah, I just yeah, want yeah. you to I, touch on I, that before we wrap you know, up. It's really difficult. I think that um, anyone who has gotten anywhere, no matter how far you get, I think for every step forward you take you're still in a position to turn around and pull someone else forward. Right. So it doesn't matter if you if you're not in 
a position where you're running a company or you're not in a position where you're, you know, on TV or, or anything like that. It doesn't matter. Anything that you do, that you move forward, you still have an experience now that you could turn around and teach someone else. That's right. what, that really, to me, that's what life is about. It's about the things that you go through and, and you learn the lesson. Now turn around and tell someone else. Right. You right. know what I mean? I think that, I think we, we owe that much to whatever family gave birth to you. And, and it doesn't mean a physical birth. It just means the people who surrounded and supported and encouraged you. I think you owe them that. And I think you owe it to our community and to the universe to turn around and do the same for someone else. Because obviously the more you give, the more you receive. That's probably one of the oldest stories, you know, most grandmothers tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can we put your social platforms out there in ways that people can connect with you? Please do. Please do. You can follow me um, at I am Jasmine Sanders. Just like that. And what can we look forward to? Any projects or anything about, you know, you're about to surprise us with or? Yeah, I got a couple of things in the works. Uh, I'm actually working on a book as we speak. Um, that will be just the kind of uh, platform that we talked about in terms of mentoring, and not just mentoring, but just sisterhood in general. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that um, and working on some some other tour ideas that I have that will be uh, lady-friendly um, and just, you know, trying to stay positive and, and, and keep living with pretty much. Absolutely. Jazz, I thank you so much for blessing the show with your thank greatness. You, you got to come back on here again when time permits. We are so Absolutely. grateful. And we wishing you more blessings and more success on everything and everything that you do. Oh, that is so nice of you. I really appreciate that more than you know. And the same goes to you. Thank you so much. It's the Vibe Show. I'm your host, Kano the Don, the Vibe King, and my lovely guests. The super beautiful, talented Miss, the one and only Jasmine Sanders. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Queen.